If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 208. This is our 2022 Wells Fargo Championship plus Bet Fred, a British Masters Tips podcast. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's PGA and DP World Tour action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. Uh, this podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit BeGambleAware.org for more info and, of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, tournament strokes gained analysis. Paul has pulled together some unbelievably good strokes gained analysis for the two PGA Tour events they've hold, held at TPC... Uh, Paul? Potomac. 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 That's right. So have a look at that. Really good data. I haven't found that anywhere else on the internet. Tournament form statistics, plus, of course, our predictive models for both DP World and PGA Tour. All of these features, like this podcast, are completely free of charge. We have no paywall at Golf Betting System. Right, on Twitter, Barry's at A Good Talk Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. I'm at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description Box. Plus, look out for us, the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel, where I present the golf betting show every week. We've just crashed through 2,700 subscribers, so that's wicked. You can also listen to this podcast on YouTube, just to make you aware of that. Right. Now, as ever, you guys power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, just, just to report back... We're now at over 110 five-star reviews on Spotify. So if you do listen on Spotify, I'll put this out there this week. Just press the five-star button because it just helps so much in terms of just getting visibility to our show or to the podcast on Spotify. So just press the five-star button on Spotify. So, so simple. Now, I've got a review here on Apple. It's a good one. Uh, it's from Brian in Dublin. I don't know if you know him, Barry. Maybe uh, maybe you bump into him on the odd occasion. You don't even know. It's entitled Probably Agronomy and a Bit of Topography. Five stars. Lads, I absolutely love the in-depth forensic podcasts. From the review of last week's picks and tournament winners to the upcoming events and all the off-course antics that may have occurred during the week, I think the key is the length of the podcast whereby... There is no cramming in of info, and each of you can go off on your own little tangents. He, he does listen regularly, whereby you might stumble on something else of note for listeners. Keep up the great work. Brian in Dublin, the Republic of Ireland. Thank you for that review, Brian. Lovely stuff, yes. Thank you, Brian. Very very eloquent and, um, yeah, very uh, appropriate, I guess, to what we try and do on the pod. Nice one, Brian. Yeah, I'm not sure I know which Brian particularly is in Dublin, but um, yeah, there's only how many how many hundreds of thousands are there? Do you think <laughs> Brian's in Dublin? Uh, 
let's not let's not go tangent kind of tangent for that though um but yeah good good feedback um he met last week we go into it or do you have more reviews well the first thing i was going to do actually no more no more reviews i was going to actually apologize for the lateness of the podcast i know people that i'm the same um the podcast i listen to across different you know genres golf um UFC, blah blah blah. It's, oh, yeah, I know. I, I get it in my mind that I'm doing a certain thing at a certain time, and that podcast is available. But I had a I had a family um, funeral to attend to down in Somerset, so yesterday was a complete write off. Hence, why we're recording this Wednesday morning in the UK. So, firstly, apologies for that. Secondly, let's talk about last week. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about it really because it was another one of those crossbar hitting weeks across both tours. Really, I'll I'll let you, Barry. Describe what happened in Catalonia first. The day started out brilliantly with um, Henny Duplessis knocking in a 64 and threatening to stay in around the places for the rest of the day. And it, it worked out that way. And then Becker had control, lost control, got back control and then gave it back again and got himself, actually did well in the end to kind of get himself home and into the playoff. And then from that point on, it was the next what, hour and a half of the most boring hole in golf uh, <laughs> for match for match play. Um, just t- terrible, terrible hole. Just making pars. There was, I think there was there was only a handful of birdies on that hole all day, but it, d- it didn't seem to be the kind of hole that would give up many birdies or make it very difficult to make a bogey. So, um, but to be fair to the two lads, they both made some very good pars the whole way along, but. After five after five holes, they decided let's go to seventeen. That'll sort them out. Um, it was at that point I knew my my race was run with Becker. I had a bad feeling about going to seventeen, and um, God, he, he gave himself a chance as well when he looked dead and buried. Uh, listen, you got all you can do is ask to get into the right position, and he was in a very good position. Didn't win, so be it. Arnaus is very good, and it's. Um, that wind's been threatening and bubbling for quite some time now. and uh, He was always going to come yeah. from off the pace as well. He was always going yeah. to be off from off the pace, shoot around and then wait there for an hour and see what happened. And that's exactly what happened to get into the playoff. Yeah, yeah you, need, you need a perfect storm to get your first tournament win, surely. You know, it's, it's yeah, not easy. So, yeah. um, and you could see what it meant to him. So you're like, how could you hate, hate that situation? You yeah. know, so um, great to see and um, good on him and... You know, there's potential there in that guy to 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 you know you can see him going on and winning more. Yeah, um, Paul said all along yeah. could be a Ryder Cup for Europe. Good player, up to fifty two in the world now yeah. from eighty fourth. He's very. There was a capable, lot of player. There was a lot of players playing for a PGA Championship berth last week, wasn't there? We we mentioned them on the pod. Fox was up there. Your guy Becker was up there. There was a couple of others. All in that fringy sort of top one hundred through one twenty in the rankings. Yeah. They knew a good week could get him across to um, Oklahoma. Mm. Good picks, though, Barry. I mean, you, you were right in, and yeah, when you get a round like that from Duplessis that um, you know, gets you a place from completely nowhere, then that's a, that's a, that's a nice bonus, isn't it? And I know you. Uh, mm. Will be disappointed with Becker, but uh, he, he did he did well to be in the playoff with uh, the save that he made on seventeen. And as you said, well, and we've discussed it before, haven't we? These kind of soulless eighteenth hole playoffs where it's just rinse and repeat and par par par. And uh, 
yeah, there, there needs to be the, the, the holes need some thought, don't they? There needs to be some variance on these playoff holes. Um, otherwise, they can just go on forever and it just bore the, well, bore the bore the viewers, but bore the players into submission more than anything. And uh, you know, some someone just ends up kind of handing the tournament to the to the opponent, but. Yeah, you can't take it away from one else. He was he was robbed at the back end of last year. Um, was it the Spanish Open? I think something like that. I forget now. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's been knocking at the door for a long time, and perhaps we'll see some more wins now that he's got over the line. We shall see. I'm just trying to work out on the fly because that's the kind of shit I do. I was trying to work out how many PGA Tour victories John Rahm's got from how many starts on the PGA Tour. Because I did read from Noz Ferratu on Twitter that hasn't he got 10, 10 from 100 professional starts if you combine TP World and PGA. Would that be right? Yeah, we can soon find out. A little mm. bit of clicking. I remember this conversation topic coming up, might have been around uh, maybe a year ago, but we were just on, you know going through how many wins he had from how many starts, and you match that up versus his average price, and just backing Ram blindly each week mm. was probably a you know profitable venture. Um, yeah, yeah, he, career-wise. He did, he, did well, he, he did well last week. Oh yeah, yeah, in the in the end, particularly with a stone cold putter. Just to, mm-hmm. for, for stats wise, one hundred and forty career starts, fourteen wins, so one in there ten. There you go. Yeah, so there's your ten. Yeah, one fourteen from one forty. Yeah. Yeah. PGA, mm-hmm. I'm seeing seven from one twelve. So six point two five percent. I suppose it had to come, didn't it? It had to come. You had to have your your, your boring five to one winner, John Rahm, at some point this season, and it came. He does like to beat up a rather poor field, as we see on the DP World Tour. He is one of those. Um, worthy of note if you want to back five to one winners on the PGA Tour. Um, we had who did we have? We had Champ. We were all on Champ, weren't we? Who was mm-hmm. one back on the seventh tee. Um, I had. I had three in the last two groups. I had um, uh, Davis Riley, and I also had Nate Lashley. I had a feeling Lashley would kind of just sit there and click, you know, not do a great deal. He, he mm. does have a habit of doing that, uh, and he did. But I still think Riley's a, a winner in um, in Karna, I think. I think that's kind of happened with Davis Riley. He's a good player, very good rookie. I know that um, he's he's... He's not the most... I think he's the second best rookie we've seen, isn't he, this season? Um, the other guy who has been absolutely fantastic is Cam Young, isn't it? Cam Young has been rookie of the season so far and has been, uh, he's been well thought of this week as well at um, mm. Potomac. Yeah, Potomac. So. But, um, yeah, I do like Riley. But, yeah, champ, what can you do? You know, Make, make a triple on a on a um, Sunday and you're probably not going to be winning the golf tournament. I actually quite like the tournament and I think all of the reasoning we had, the course length, the weather, the Paspalum, the scoring that was going to be achievable, the weather, throw it all in, I think we read the tournament pretty damn well. It was a bomber's tournament. Yep. 
A champ had his chance and uh, just mucked up. But uh, he still he he hung he hung around for a part each way payout. Riley gave me a full each way payout, so that was fifty and sixty to one. So you can't complain. No, you can't no, complain. Just, he, just he an- another one where you've you've hit the crossbar, which could have been a winner. Yeah, yeah, you know, another week and champ doesn't make the mistake, and uh, he, you know from there he pushes on and wins the tournament. And yeah, a bit disappointing because we were all on him and. Uh, you know, so was half of the uh, golfing Twitter world by the looks yeah. of it. So it would have been would have been an incredibly popular win should Champ have uh, managed to hold on. But it'll yeah. be interesting to see if Champ can actually string three contentions together because he hasn't in the past. No, he, na- he normally too, now falls it? away, and you won't see him for a couple of months. Yeah, but so, um, worth looking at rankings and assignments in terms of you know FedEx Cup. Has he got into all the majors? If, if there needs to be motivation, if you see what I mean. Mm. Right, let's talk this week's golf. Uh, let's start with the Betfred British Masters. Over to you, Paul. Oh, no, yeah. I'll tell you what I was going to say. Before I start, Bet365, I did some analysis this morning. In terms of the likely very best player odds this week, and it's not even likely, it's true because it's happening right now, they are dominating on best golf prices at the Betfred British Masters. I checked this this morning. They are best price or equal best price. Listen to this. On 146 of 156 players in the field. That's mm. mad. 94% of the field are best price or equal best price for Bet365 this week. You just yeah. have to say that's that's crazily impressive. Yeah, very, they're very so, certainly making a stand on price. And um, yeah, there's this whole battle, isn't there? We've talked about it ad nauseum, but uh, they make their stance. They're sticking rigidly to five places and a quarter. But yeah. if you are happy to take that with market leading prices, then generally you are going to get market leading prices if you go to bet 365. It's as simple as that. Pretty much 19 to 20 this week. So for those of you wanting the best golf odds right now, we recommend Bet365. If you are 18 plus and do not have a Bet365 Bet365 sports account, you can find details of their current Bet £10, get £50 in free bets, new customer promotion, plus a link through to that very offer with T's and C's in this podcast description. So yeah, best price on 146 of 156 players at the Betfred British Masters are Bet365. Right, over to mm. you, Paul. Yeah, uh, so we've got Danny Willett hosted again, the British Mar- or the Betfred British Masters. Um, we're at the Belfry again this week, so um, second year on the trot. So Danny's picked up the reins for, for two years, the Belfry's picked up the reins. So we've, we've got some continuity in this event, which is uh, historically kind of hopped about from course to course. Got to say, though, it's a relatively poor field. You know, I think British Masters, I think, you know, attracting some of the... Uh, well, some some of the best players in Britain for a start, and then uh, you know some of the DP World Tours best players come along as well. But it's not really panned out like that. Um, Twenty two to one, the field as a result of the um, uh, the, the the players that are attending, and uh, you know, as the market's shaken out in the last couple of days, you know we are a day later than we normally. Uh, record so you can see how the, uh, the the market's actually settled down now. Uh, Robert McIntyre sits as the favourite, twenty-two to one. Adrian Moronk, who's been uh, backed in to twenty-five to one. Jordan Smith, twenty-eight. Sam Horsfield, twenty-eight. Laurie Cantor had another chance last week, didn't he? Thirty-three to one. Same price as last week's winner, Adrian Ounce, thirty-three to one. 
then you get the likes of Oliver Becker, Dean Bermester, Lee Westwood, 35 to 1 best price out there, 40 to 1 bar that uh, list of eight or so players. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit disappointed with the field, but uh, there are some names that we recognise at least. So, something to get our teeth into. Uh, full field of 156, as you say. So, there's some juicy prices a little bit further down the uh, down the list as a result of this, um, the, the way the market has panned out. Now, Betfred are the sponsors this week. They have gone, as they tend to do, 10 places each way, one-fifth of the odds for this particular event. And some competitive pricing. I think what they do with this, I think Fred must uh, have a word with the uh, odds compilers and say, well, look, put your normal market out there. Don't change the odds, but put 10 places each way, a fifth of the odds to make it clear that we're sponsoring this event and that we're um, you know, we're going to make a stand on this particular event. So um, when we go through my picks in a second, I genuinely pick them all with Bet Fred um, with 10 places, a fifth of the odds. They, some of them were marginally low, lower prices than the market best, but weighing everything up they were oh good why wouldn't you absolutely they're really really competitive this week um if you haven't got a betfred account pop along to the site there's a bet 10 get 60 60 pounds in free bets and bonuses offered t's and c's full t's and c's apply of course and they're on the site so um, do check your prices do check out what they're offering because you might find there's a good alternative there can i offer you ask you a question if Matt Fitzpatrick had decided that he was going to play the Belfry in mm. on the outskirts of Birmingham this week, rather than TPC Potomac on the edge of Washington DC, what price do you reckon he'd be going off as favourite? Well, if he was the only addition to the field, he would have yeah. been favourite. Yeah, twelves maybe something 12. like that. Yeah, okay. would kind of be where I'd put him. I expect. Yeah. You know, given given the um, given the form that he's been in in general, uh, the, the only point with Fitzpatrick is he doesn't get over the line you know for the, for the amount of times that he uh, contends but um, yeah in, in in this field you'd expect him to be favourite and you'd expect him to be right up there as well wouldn't you right you in the mix hmm. um, yeah and the Brabazon course should suit him as well I, looking back um, we've got some history here uh, back to 2000 all the way through various years to 2008 this hosted the uh, British Masters big gap then uh, then we've got the 2020 UK Championship won by Rasmus Hogard. That was played here. And then we've got, of course, last year's British Masters. So if you're doing some research into course history for the players in the field, then all of that is detailed from 2002 onwards in our course stats this week on the site, available from the preview on off the homepage. Um, it's a Peter Alice and Dave Thomas creation, Parkland in style, 7,328 yards, par 72. Slightly odd setup, 12 par fours in total. So there are only three par threes and three par fives. All the rest of the holes, are twelve. the 12 of them are par fours. And historically, the Brabazon course has been narrow, juicy, rough, excellent bent power greens. Um, it tends to favour those players who aren't particularly good on the greens but can navigate themselves from tee to green safely um, and yeah, keep themselves alive on these par fours and then make some uh, make some hay, hay on the uh, par fives when they get the chance to do so the weather set pretty fair actually I, I saw in the news this morning we're in for a, uh, a heat wave in uh, England over the next week or so which would be good we'll be able to get the shorts out Steve Maybe, maybe it, get that away. must be the case because my missus said to me we had to get the barbecue cracking this weekend. 
Well, there you Those go. were her very words about 6.15 this morning. <laughs> so she to... must, well, she scans the BBC weather app on a rather, rather, far too regular basis. Yeah. It's so certainly... apparently I'm going to have to, I'm going to be having my meat on the barbecue this weekend. Fantastic. Barbecue, get the shorts out. We might even be able to get a round of golfing. You never know. Mm. You just picture Steve like the Swedish chef from Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't remember which one it was. Half naked. Oh, mm. uh, with a beer in one hand and yeah, tongs <laughs> yeah. in the other. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, anyway, back to the weather for this week. Sunny spells. It should be approaching 20 Fahrenheit by the end of the week- weekend as well. The odd light shower maybe, but there's been little rain in the lead up to the event. So I'm expecting the, the Belfry to be pretty firm this week. Five to 10 mile an hour winds and not much to speak of really. So um, I think the main challenge will be keeping your ball in play. And that kind of bears out. If you listen to some of these course winners, you'll notice the uh, the names and the style of play. Uh, 2000 was Jose Maria Alathabal at 13 under. 2001, Henrik Stenson, 13 under. Angel Cabrera won in 2002 at 10 under. Paul Casey, 11 under in 2003. Little gap then. Johan Edfors, 11 under, 2006. Lee Westwood, 15 under in 2007. Gonzo, Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño, 12 under in 2008. Um, and then the break I talked about earlier, two, two, 2020 was Rasmus Hogarth at 14 under. And of course, who can forget Richard Bland's emotional win last year, 13 under par. Very, very consistent. I mean, you listen to those winning scores, 10 under minimum, 15 under maximum. So everything in that kind of bracket, very, very consistent. And when you're talking about the likes of a Lee Westwood or a Gonzo or a Paul Casey or a Henrik Stenson, it just screams ball striking, doesn't it? Mm. Um, and I guess it, that bears out if you if you look through some of the stats as well. I mean, we've got more detailed stats from the last couple of years, of course, uh, with Rasmus and Richard Bland. And um, Bland hit the f- uh, he was first for fairways hit last year. He was second for greens and regulation. Looking at the old style stats, Hogard was sixth sixth for greens and regulation the year before. Um, if you look at strokes gained, then the top four, top five from both years, it's just littered with players who've had a strong week with their strong strokes gain approach and strokes gain tee to green games. And that's really the formula, I think. Um, I'm not sure there's a great deal more that you need to really look at with this because if you get a player who's playing well from tee to green and then can, can have a, a middling week um, or better on the greens, then they should get himself into the mix here. Um, sparkling form doesn't really seem to be a prerequisite. I mean, if you're looking at Bland, he did have a top 10 three starts before um, at uh, the Grand Canaria, I think it was. 150 to 1 he was. And of course, you know, you'd have taken a big leap of faith on someone like Bland um, to go over the line. What was it? 478th from memory of my preview um, attempt um, at uh, winning a, a DP World Tour title before we got over the line last last year. Um, he had finished 19th um, at the UK Championship the year before, so he'd showed a little bit of course form. Again, if you look through the preview, and I've detailed all of those winners and what they'd done at the Belfry before, I'm not sure you need a sparkling course history either. You know, a little bit of form here or there, maybe you know, maybe a top 20 would be a good pointer, but um, yeah, I don't think you need to have been knocking on the door every single year to, to get yourself into the uh, in, in, into the frame this, this year. So, uh, yeah... Get your ball strikers on, I think. And that's kind of where I've gone with mine. Um, I've gone with five. 
Um, as I said to you before, they've all been placed with Betfred 10 places each way, so uh, the prices I'll quote will be from those guys. Uh, towards the top of the betting, my my player that I've picked there um, was Jordan Smith. and I, I don't tend to pick Smith much, and you know I've been quite snotty about him on the podcast in the past, but when you look at all of the different facts and facets required for this particular week, I think he fits the Belfry like a glove, really. Seventh for strokes gained off the tee for the season, 29th stroke gained approach, 15th for strokes gained tee to green. Um, so I, that, that gets him a big tick in all of those, those boxes. First for greens and regulation on tour as well at the moment, 78.5% greens and regulation he's hit so far from the season off 30 rounds. It's not off an insignificant number of rounds either. He's just absolutely pounding greens. And that's exactly what you need to do here. Um, if you can continue at that kind of in that kind of vein, then um, yeah, I think he'll go very close. And actually, for a player who isn't renowned as a putter, he has been putting positive, positively, strokes gained positively at least um, in a number of his events so far this year. So that's really why he's been getting himself into the mix. Seventeenth uh, here last year, he was generally in worse form than he is this year. This season, he's finished second at Razel Kaima. He lost a playoff uh, to Pekinwood to uh, Pablo Larathabel, 18th last week after a month off. And I think that sets up very nicely for this week. He should be uh, primed and ready to go this week. And, you know, we saw with Adrian House last week, you know, occasionally the door just stands there and, and, and opens up in front of you and um, you, you've got to walk through it. He's got a win before he beats uh, Alex Levy back in 2017, uh, you know, on another Parkland track. So I think this should suit him lovely. Jordan Smith, 25 to 1 with 10 places. I've backed him at. Um, I've also backed Justin Harden at 40 to 1. Um, he had a similar finish to Smith here last year. Um, he was 19th overall um, at uh, the Brabbers on fourth to halfway. So he's shown a little bit of aptitude for the course. And uh, again, it's another one. He's had some decent efforts so far in 2022. He was fourth at the Dubai Desert Classic, which is a Rolex event, ninth at the Razel Kaima. Um, that was the classic, the second one. And um, fifth at the Qatar Masters on his last outing on the DP World Tour. So some good solid form. He had a month off and then he finished seventh last week on the Sunshine Tours Tour Championship. And I think he can push on from that. When he wins, and he's got a couple of wins. 2019, he won at the Qatar. Uh, 2021, he won in uh, Kenya. So a couple of a couple of wins on the DP World Tour. When he wins, it's when his long game really clicks. He was third for strokes going tee to green in Qatar when he won. Second for strokes going tee to green in Kenya when he won last year. So when that all clicks, then the game matches up and marries up very nicely to what I think the winner will look like here at the Belfry this week. So quite happy to take him at 40s with 10 places again. Quite happy to take Jason Scrivener at 66s as well. Now, he's still looking for his breakthrough win on the DP World Tour, but he's getting closer and closer. He's got an Australasian Tour win. I think he won by six when he when he got over the line that year, so he can do it. Um, second at last year's Abu Dhabi Championship um, behind Tyrrell Hatton. That was another Rolex Series event. That's the closest he's come, but... Um, really it's his long game stats that uh, have been outstanding of late which really caught my eye with this uh, 18th last week in Girona uh, 11th strokes going to approach 4th strokes going tee to green so some good long game stats coming out of that finished 10th he played with Jason Day at the Zurich over on the PGA Tour a couple of weeks back or a few weeks back 
um, finished 10th alongside Jason Day. So uh, managed to temper Jason Day's game with um, his own metronomic performance to finish 10th as the pair. And that should give me a little bit of confidence. And uh, yeah, I think as a, as, a, as a player, he's well capable of winning a, a, a tournament like this, 66 to 1. Um, and finally, a couple of uh, 100 to 1 shots. Lucas Nemesh, uh, 100 to 1, and Daniel Gavin's 100 to 1. I've backed both of those guys again, both with 10 places each way, a fifth of the odds. Uh, Nemesh, I backed him a few weeks ago. Top 20 strokes gained tee to green each of his last five starts where he's made the cut. So. He's been uh, he's been hitting the ball very nicely, scoring with his tee to green game. Fifteenth uh, and twenty sixth in his last couple of weeks. I think he's bubbling under. He went back and won that small event on his uh, home circuit in between uh, DP World Tour starts, and he, he should he should be um, he should be ready and raring to go. I think he's he's very very close Nemec, to to a yeah to a win I think uh, Daniel Gavins who has got a win on the DP World Tour um, he's also producing some sparkling long game strokes gain stats of late now I know when you look at the stats with the DP World Tour particularly the strokes gain stats you do have to take some of them a pinch of salt but if you read through his list of performances over the last few weeks they really are striking in terms of his strokes gain approach and strokes gain tee to green um, 16th overall in the official DP World Tour stats for strokes gain approach. I don't think that tells a lie. He was second on the same count last week. So um, hitting his irons nice and close. He was also sick for strokes gain tee to green last week. So long game looks very, very good at the moment for Daniel Gavins. And as longer shots, I think Gavins and uh, Lucas Nemesh both fit the bill very nicely at hundreds. So they're both in. Jason Scrivener, Justin Hardin and... Just uh, Jordan Smith was my uh, player at the top of the market. Right, that's my five, Barry. So who's actually going to win? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to stick with uh, Henny Duplessis. Great last yeah. round last week. Mm. Um, yeah, hot hands. Going to go with that. I'm deciding whether to back Becker or not, or whether he's emotionally traumatized by. <laughs> The uh, or just bored to death by golf by playing that eighteenth <laughs> so many times. Yeah, you want him down. <laughs> yeah, and um, another one who. Go ahead, cool, Steve. Sorry. No, no, I was going to back you up statistically with Hen- Henny Duplessis. I've just I've basically created ball striking on our predictable. Mm-hmm. So driving actually distance and greens in regulation. Number one, Jordan L. Smith. Number two, Henny Duplessis. Number three, Sam Horsfield. Number four, John Catlin. Yeah, I've something close to that model here. I was just uh, messing mm. around myself here, and um, so yeah, I mean Becker's there in the top ten of the one I've got up here, uh, and a couple of iterations of it. So I, I just I don't know. The decision will I'll probably just put a little bet on just to save my mental space in case he does go and do it. Um, mm. And then one other who seemed to pop at the top of those stats was J.C. Ritchie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he's been playing some lovely him. stuff over on the um, on the Sunshine Tour as well. Got a couple of wins over there in the last few months. Mm-hmm. So he's um, yeah, hundred to one with a few extra, a couple of extra places, or one one twenty fives, I think, still on bet three six five. Yeah, he's one twenty fives, bet three six five, hundred to one with extended places mm-hmm. elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it was close for me, Richie. I think I think there were far worse long shots out there than that because um, 
He's, he's certainly shown his ability to get over the line, you know, at Sunshine Tour level. But um, as we said right at the top of this, it's not the best of uh, attended DP World Tour events this week. So someone else could pop up. If you're looking at blindingly obvious, I agree with Barry. Um, Duplessis is just playing some fantastic stuff. The other one that keeps popping, and he hasn't done... Re- he keeps kind of gravitating towards tops of leaderboards like midway points and goes backwards is Miko Cajone mm. he's also very prevalent if you're looking at just these pure ball striking numbers he's yeah. in the top top eight on this model that I'm looking at yeah he was popular last week as well and uh, yeah I, I, again you know statistically you work through the different angles of it and uh, he will form part of your shortlist because he ticks an awful lot of boxes so yeah, I couldn't I couldn't put you off, not not logically anyway. Right then. Should we move on to the Wells Fargo Championship? Yeah, go for it. I know you're under time constraints, Paul. And we need to get this podcast out there because the guys are they're bubbling for it. They want it, the listeners. So uh Wells Fargo Championship usually played at Quail Hollow, not this year. They are playing it. Uh, just outside of Washington, D.C. at TPC Potomac. I think I've had three attempts and I've got it right twice, Paul. That's good. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to stick. Maybe I should stop repeating the course. Um, we have seen action here, but not at the Wells Fargo. This used to be where they played the Booz Allen Classic. Uh, Lee Jansen, Steve Stricker, Justin Leonard. I mean, there's three players, and that's kind of telling you where you need to be. Jansen, Stricker, Leonard. Appleby's another one. Rich Beam. Not exactly bombers, any of these guys, are they? No. Bob Estes. (laughs) Uh, Rory Sabatini. There's always a fly in the ointment. Adam Scott and Ben Curtis. To me, just kind of straight... When they're on form, hit lots of greens and half-decent short games. That's uh, the kind of summary there. And then we've had two more recently of that. Quicken Loans National, which used to be Tiger Woods' tournament. Kyle Stanley, 2017. And Francesco Molinari in 2018. So, our, I mean, they're pure ball strikers. Um... It was interesting when you looked at this. I think they were both kind of top 50 on the PGA Tour for driving distance and, and pretty at straight off the tee, which is what, how you'd summarise them. And then they're both when they're, they're pomp high GIR guys. So I think this is a plotter's golf course. Um, I also think it's a difficult golf course. Um, we're looking at 7,160 yards, which is longer than when they played it in 2018 last. They've extended both par fives. And um, I know Francesco Molinari mentioned in an interview when he was uh, winning this in 2018, what an intimidating tee shot the 10th is, which is the second of the two par fives on this par 70. And they've now added another 30 yards with a long, you know, with a, with a tee box that's further back. So the par fives are no gimmies. Uh, both are pr- one at 591, the other one at 641. Yeah, it's a three-shotter, effectively. Yeah. Um, 
The greens are only 4,300 square feet on average, so they're tiny greens. Uh, they're, we're now into bent grass country, ladies and gentlemen. So Bermuda grass is behind us on the PGA Tour. We're actually on bent grass greens for only the second time in 2022, and we're now into May. They're small greens, they're bent grass, they're undulating. But this golf course is just, it's, to me, it's a very close fit to Wentworth. It's kind of claustrophobic. Trees are in play on a lot of driving holes, on a lot of tee boxes. Um, there's ups, there's downs, there's creeks, there's little ponds and lakes. There's water in play on 10 of the holes. It's tough, yeah, it's just a tough golf mm. course. And when I'm seeing single digits winning around here, both on the PGA Tour and on a couple of Corn uh, Ferry events they held here, and I know Molinari won at 21 under par, but then next best to him was Ryan Armour at 13 under, and they had pretty ideal weather conditions and a soft golf course um, for the first opening 36 holes that year. If you're shooting anything near double digits this week, I think you're winning. I've heard, you know, I, I was I was on the road for about fourteen hours yesterday, or there or thereabouts, you know, in cars and whatever. And I was listening to different podcasts. People were saying 13, 14 under. I don't see that. I think it's going to be less than that. I think it's going to be if you're ten, nine under. I think you're going to be right on the right on the pace this week. And the reason I say that is the weather forecast is pretty damn atrocious. Really, I wouldn't say atrocious. It's kind of typical UK weather that you get in May. So there's rain, there's wind. Um, I do also think there's going to be a draw bias, unfortunately. From what I'm looking at, I think the late, early starters are going to get a hell of an advantage, unfortunately. And I could, because typically I've got three in, um, I've got three early, uh, early, late. But I'm just looking at the weather forecast. Um, and I think Thursday's going to be fairly level, although there's some there's some squally wind early doors, which then starts to dissipate mid-morning. And by the afternoon, there's virtually no wind. It's raining in Washington right now, so the golf course will be soft tomorrow. So if you are first round leadering, I would definitely suggest that you put late starters as first round leader bets. And also, if you're playing DraftKings, I think you should be definitely putting some PM, AM stacks in there. I think you could have some significant advantages. Um, Friday, it looks less windy in the morning and it could be gusting over 20 miles an hour in the, in the afternoon. There is rain in the forecast pretty much all day Friday. Um, and no electrical activity. So I think we're going to see the rare occurrence on the PGA Tour of players playing for a significant chunk of time in the rain around yeah. Potomac. Now, whether that's going to be hammering down and they pull them off the course and then we go into Saturday, I mean, that's impossible to tell, isn't it? But I think there's going to be a chunk of play. They won't. They, it looks to me as if they can't be pulling these guys off for electrical thunderstorms. It's going to be play only suspended if the course can't take the rain. Um, I've just got a list here of players that I found interest in that are actually on that PM-AM wave. 
Hosler, Smalley, Streelman, List, Garcia, Casey, Woodland, Homer, Lashley, Long, Damon, Kuchar, Siwoo Kim, Cam Davis, Russell Henley and Cam Young. They all seem to be in the right half of the draw to me. For whatever half of the draw you're in, Saturday looks really tough. Saturday looks like it could be gusting up to 30 miles an hour throughout the day. And it's only going to be 10 degrees Celsius. <laughs> seems It seems to clear out on Sunday. It gets a bit warmer, but it's still blowing 10 to 15. Yeah, that's not going to be pleasant, is it? Well, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't shout to me 15 under par. You know what I mean? Yeah. 14 yeah. under, it doesn't. It, this, to me, is going to be a technical, kind of major championship ordeal. Pars are going to be really, really good. I'm not talking Thursday. I think if you can set a target on Thursday, if you can go out there and shoot five, six under, you're going to be right at the top of the lit, and then you just hang on for grim death. Mm. And I kind of built that into my team anyway. I built that into the team. There's a lot of major performers in there. Um, in terms of the betting, we've got McElroy at nine to one with bet three six five. He's the favourite. Um. If you're actually looking at skill sets, there's only probably of the modern day player, McElroy and Finau, that are turning up this week and playing this. You know, proper bombers, proper, you know, top elite, have to have the driving distance, have the whole game. Most of the others have thought, no, no I'm not going to get involved with this one. I'm not getting, because it's, it's a tough old course. Connors is 20 to 1. Fitzpatrick, 22 to 1. Finau, 22 to 1. Uh, answer at 30s. Then we're out to Henley, Keegs, Hatton at 33s, Gaza Woodland at 35s, then Homer, Young, Sergio at 40s, Mark Leishman 45s with Siwoo Kim. And then we're out to the 50s. Webb Simpson, Paul Casey's 50 to 1 with Bet365. That is a price. Uh, and Keith Mitchell at 50 to 1. So yeah, I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a really tough event. The perfect build-up, potentially, for a PGA Championship. Yeah, yeah. If they're getting into that kind of 10-under, thereabouts, winning score, and that is a good sighter for what we should expect at the PGA uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, I'm just looking at Molinari and Kyle Stanley, where they have performed well in the United States, just for some correlating course form. Both have had great top three results at Muirfield Village. Jack's tournament. Uh, both have a fourth and a top sixes or number of top sixes at Sawgrass. So that's a relatively short cut par 72 with small greens. Both have had decent results at Quail Hollow, where they played on standard the Wells Fargo. Also a correlation with Bay Hill. Also, John Deere Classic. Second, both have finished second at a John Deere Classic. That really does shout Russell Henley, but you know my feelings on Russell Henley. Mm. Um, also, a couple of decent finishes at the Shriners in Las Vegas, which is another one of these short, accurate kind of courses, even though Bryson DeChambeau hacks his way around there and often wins. Also, interestingly, Shazam, where they played the WGC in China. 
Stanley yeah. has a top five there. Frankie's a winner there. Yeah, he is, yeah. There's loads of also, you and I, Paul, could pull Frankie's form out on Italian Open classics, you know, round Milan, those kind of tight, claustrophobic tree line yeah. courses, northern well, Italy. Yeah, um, I mean, in, in terms Wentworth. of his typecast, yeah, it's, yeah it, it, all of those kind of, as you say, tree line, parkland, classical style tracks, you know, any combination of those. Um, with bent grass greens, it was you know, that that was absolutely his forte when he was playing over on the on the DP World Tour, and you know, there's no reason to suggest that that has changed and that that blueprint shouldn't change really. Don't forget, of course, that um, that Rory also has a win at Wentworth. Mm. Yeah, in, in so R- Rory's catching no real smoke this week. I mean, a lot of people were uh, didn't have Ram have fifty one percent of like. Green D- DK teams last yeah last forty week. It, it was it was a big number wasn't it it was uh, it was a record I think. I'm not really seeing Rory getting mentioned in anything I'm watching or reading but you might find he just turns up comes off that amazing final round at Augusta and cleans this out <laughs> and nine to one we bet three six five we'd all be sitting there going Ooh, nine to one on Rory not a bad point he does tend to win on the PGO Tour though at 20s and 22s these days that tends to be his kind of MO I've gone yeah. for Corey Connors when it, you just look at <laughs> fairways greens ball striking total driving which is made up more of accuracy and straightness over sheer power Corey Connors is just bloody obvious I think this is the perfect Corey Connors course. He's in the wrong half of the draw. I still think, though, that we saw with Carl Stanley here, he won 10 shots back on Saturday when he, when he started the round of the lead. Leads around here and leading scores will... I don't think they're going to go forward much. I think they're going to stay... They could even go backwards. It could be one of those rare tournaments where the lead starts coming back. Mm. So I don't think you're ever dead around here. If you're within five or six strokes, maybe at, even at halfway... If the leaders start coming back and you're playing nice par golf in really horrible conditions on Saturday, you're going to just levitate up the leaderboard. So anyway, yeah. I think Connors, the other one at the top that I really like is Fitzpatrick because we know with Fitzy, um, his record on tree-line golf courses is immense. Winner at Woburn, his first DP World Tour ta- ch- um, win. Last year, we saw him win around Valderrama at six under par, I think it was, winning score. Yeah, it's always a tough one there, isn't it? When it's crappy, when it's horrible, as long as he hasn't been on the shant Wednesday night and shoots eight (laughs) over on Thursday, which he seems to have cut out a lot more this season. I just think Fitzpatrick's the one that can hang about because he can do a bit of everything, can't he? He's a half-decent driver. Um, he's got a great short game, scrambling, good putter when he's on form, especially on bent grass. Mm, yeah. I think the worse the conditions get, the more that someone like a Fitzpatrick will come to the fore. You could also see a Mackenzie Hughes-like, you know, a wizard around the greens, just all scrambling game. He could be the sort that goes well this week. Mac, Mac Hughes from nowhere. Anyway, so Connors and Fitzpatrick at the top for me. I've also thrown thrown in Max Homer, who is on the right sort side of the draw. And we know with Homer, and I know Barry's been very keen on Homer recently, and I've I've been keeping a very close eye on him. The sort that's long enough off the tee but straight enough. He's um, I think he ranks in my um, eight week strokes gained on approach rankings number three in this field. 
And you just look at where he does well. He's a winner at Quail Hollow. He's a winner at Riviera. Tough, classical, tree-line golf courses. He won at um, the Fortinet at the start of this season in the fall of last year. That is a claustrophobic tree-line 7,200-yard golf course that features bent grass greens. Uh, he's also got history across these courses that I've been mentioning. You know, I think he was in the top five last week at Muirfield last year at Muirfield Village. So I think he's playing well. If Homer was to pop out this week and win his second um, victory of the year, that to me pretty much cements his spot in the in the Presidents Cup team as well, because he's right in the hunt to get a Presidents Cup spot, Homer. So I took Homer over the likes of Woodland and Hatton, for example, and Keegan Bradley. That's where I was at. Uh, so yeah, there's three of mine. Twenty to one for Connors, twenty to one for Fitzpatrick, forty to one I got on Max Homer. Those prices are still available right now. What about you guys? Before I go on to my long shot. Um, well, the only one I've backed in that range, um, you just mentioned him actually, is Keegan Bradley, uh, thirty-three to one. And I think he's been playing some tidy stuff. I think he fits in terms of the style of uh, player to to what the course will demand this week. Uh, and so, yes, as I say, some decent enough efforts in the recent times. 11th at the Arnold Palmer, 5th at the Players as well. And it was 4th for strokes going off the tee, 2nd for strokes going tee to green at Sawgrass. So, um, in that respect, was playing very nicely from uh, from tee to green. Uh, eighth at the Texas Open recently, fourth at the uh, Zurich Classic um, Pairs event last time out as well. And he's got a fifth place finish here back in uh, 2017, uh, 2017, when he was, again, long game, looked good. Seventh for strokes gained off the tee, second for strokes gained tee to green. All of those numbers together um, suggest that Bradley will have a decent week to me. And uh, yeah, 33 to 1. I mean, the, the fly in the ointment now, as you said, from the most recent... Um, weather forecast is that he may be on the wrong side but um yeah we'll have to start to hope who knows yeah. we don't know whether weather weather can change but yes sitting here right now to me i do think there's a late early mm. bias on this yeah well i backed him so um you know it's a, a bit late for that now but uh yeah we'll, we'll see how he gets on i wonder if barry's been actually looking at the draw as he's been sitting there silent for seven eight <laughs> minutes let's hope he's got some um, let's hope he's got some late am stacks in there doing some accelerated learning um yeah trying to keep up with you stat monsters i'm with you on the home steve you do you like that don't you yeah i think this sort of test will match up well he's got some just announced he has a baby on the way so Mm. there's a little feel good buzz going on there Mm. and you know, if you give me Max Homa versus, let's say, Matt Fitzpatrick, I'm taking Homa twice his price any day of the week. He's proven he can win on the PGA Tour, whereas Matt uh, has not. So, um, yeah, I thought I thought we hope we discussed Matt Fitzpatrick, Steve, and you know the the lack of win equity. Well, the only thing I'll say about Fitzpatrick is I, I was on Hatton the first time he won on the PGA first and only time on the PGA Tour. And I, I would like to be on Fitzy. And the, the, the one thing I will say about Fitz and his team, they are putting him on golf courses that suit him. He's now focused on the PGA Tour solely, no DP World Tour action. I mean, he could have easily played Betfred Bridgemark. I think he's now based in Florida. 
And they are... How many times have we seen Europe... I mean, why is Alex Noren not playing this week? I mean, this course would have been perfect yeah. for the guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you see this so often, but Fitz, they put him on courses and he decides to play tournaments on courses that suit him. You've got Alex Noren, he'll play in Texas next week and he's probably going to have to shoot 20 under to win. I don't... Is that Alex Noren? I'm not sure. I think he'd been perfect for this golf course, but yeah, that's real, what real I like about Fitz. Yeah, yeah, no, look, I, I, I agree. It's, it does seem like Fitzy's targeting the correct tournaments to to match his um, skill set. So, yeah. in that respect, look, and, and when he wins, it won't be a surprise because he's a really talented golfer. So, um, yeah, mm. well, until I, I just can't, I can't have him at twenty to one or whatever he's at and home at forties. Yeah, happy days. Yeah, uh, yeah. another one. Always, yeah. yeah. Um, another one in the afternoon. Where is he? Joel Damon. Yeah, mentioned him, didn't I? Accurate, accurate sort with the driver. I think he'll like this kind of. Yeah, it will. That's, I think it's going to be a bit of a grind. I think you're right on it. Um, it it looks like a tough old tough golf course. So I think he's got that kind of mentality. He to, can grind, to can't he? So I know that he's got yeah. results at both Quail Hollow, where it was kind of nine under. And also at Riviera, when that was firm and fast one year, and he was hanging around in the top five all week. So, yeah, Damon's got the capabilities, definitely. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, over to Paul, or to you if you have any others, but I'm kind of struggling to have anybody else light up in front of me. Well, I, I absolutely love Brandon Grace, but typically he's on the wrong side of the draw if there is this draw bias. But Grace, I mean, with, if we're talking single digit or 10, 11 under. You will never find Brandon Grace on year-long statistics because he's one of these guys that can be as low as a snake's belly for weeks and months and then finds it. But he's definitely found the driver. Um, He played well at RBC but didn't putt well. Um, His tee to Greenger numbers were great. I think he was in the top three or four. Then he went to the team event with Garrick Hicko. And when I, I was just constantly monitoring him, and a lot of the scoring that week wasn't Garrick, it was it was actually Brandon Grace that was seemed to be the keystone to that, a top four finish. And I'm just looking at his PJ Championship, his US Open, even his Open Championship record. And he hangs around at these long technical just tough golf courses. Now, I know this isn't long, but I think this will fit him. And he's kind of still fringy to get into the PGA Championship, and, and Monday is the cutoff. So he's outside the world's top 100 at the moment, but could jump into it. And he could also get into it on what they're calling the PGA Championship points criteria. I think he's ranking 67 of 70 right now. So he's got this, if he plays well this week, he knows he's in the PGA Championship. Bear in mind that last year at the PGA Championship, Brandon Grace was a factor through 36 and 54 holes. He was right up there near the top of the leaderboard and now he's struggling to get into the event. So I think think this week will suit Grace. And actually, Paul's always said to me, tree-line classical golf courses as are plentiful in in South Africa. You look at his record, I think four wins around... Rand Park and Gary Player Country Club, all bent grass greens. Yep. The other thing with Grace um, is the way the, the way that he plays, the style of his playing, the the, the, um, the way that he can play these low shots under the wind. Mm. If that does get uh, a bit fruity over the weekend, then 
And that's when you'll start to see him gravitate up because he will be able to control his ball, whereas others will be, you know, losing shots all over the place. And uh, yeah, if it does turn into a proper grind where you've got to be able to play the right kind of shots, then yeah, then, then Grace could well gravitate. I'm with you. I mean, I, I you know, shoot me now. I, I, I took a, a a longer price with five places because I was just greedy early on. Um, but um, I took two hundred to one, which I thought was mad on Grace. Um, Who was that? Well, about three six five. No, that was ten bet early on. Two hundred to one. Two hundred to one, five Jeez. places. But yeah, I got hundred to one, eight places. Yeah, I couldn't resist that. But uh, yeah, no, I, I it's, uh, you know, in terms of your logic, absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Don't rule, don't rule anyone out through what we're talking about the weather, by the way, because I, I do genuinely think that this is going to be such a grind that players will be able to keep within kind of contending levels, even if they are on the wrong side. Mm. But yeah, I took 100-1 to with Paddy Power and Grace. He seems to be the right player at the right course at the right time that needs to do something. Otherwise, he might be sitting at home at the PGA Championship in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, And a, a player of Grace's ability and standing should be playing in a PGA Championship. So yeah, for me, Grace, Homer, Fitzpatrick and Connors. Any others at bigger prices, Barry or Paul? Um, yeah, only other one I've backed other than Grace um, was Luke List, and um, mm. yeah, there's, uh, if you look at his raw form over the last couple of weeks, it looks a bit uh, looks a bit iffy because he missed the cut at the Masters, missed the cut the week after at the Heritage. Um, I think that pretty masks the fact that actually he's playing a little bit better than that. I don't forget he won the um, won at Torrey Pines earlier in the year, so he can't be playing that badly, can he? Mm. Um, he's seventh after day one at uh, the Texas Open before that, so you know there's, there's some sparks of life there. Thirteenth here at Potomac back uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour back in 2012, so a little bit of course form. Um, again, 125 to one I took with five places, and uh, yeah, perhaps being a bit greedy with that again. But he's on the right side of the right side of the draw. Um, if we he is, yeah. If we assume that it's going to be this PM AM split, so um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah he, he just needs to over, overturn those recent recent miscuts. But we saw AGR House come off the back. Of I'll just I'll repeat that week. list for listeners so they don't have to. Pr- yeah, so. Get a pen and paper. Hosler, Smalley, Strillman, List, Garcia, Casey, Woodland, Homer, Lashley, Long, Damon, Kuchar, Siwoo Kim, Davis, Henley and Young. They're players that I like the look of from that wave, if that proves to be the right side of the draw. Mm. Yeah. So if you, other- if you hit the jackpot on DK one of these stacks, I want a piece of the action, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Uh, any other long shots from you, Barry, on that side? No, nothing long. There's another one who's just showing his face here, and I think I'll add him to the to my bets. Keith Mitchell. Mm. Long game is tracking well in your stats here, Steve. Um, okay, his last performance here was a missed cup, but like yeah, a few years ago, I can ignore that. Uh, Fifty to one. Keithy boy. I remember he had a top three or top five finish at John Deere Classic, if we're going to have that correlating course form. Yeah, makes sense, actually. It makes sense with uh, John Deere because they played up at uh, Connecticut. So similar kind of agronomy, and that's another one of these tree short tree-line tests. However, it's not as stiff as um, Potomac. But, yeah, I can see why Molinari and Stanley have both done well at both courses. Yeah. 
That was exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. I just a few you know, T13 to the players, uh, T9 at the Honda Classic. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Know, decent effort. Yeah. So just, I'll say know. one thing: fair play to the odds compiler at Bet365. He is holding on to fifty to one on Paul Casey, where everyone else is at thirty threes and thirty. <laughs> He's dead right. <laughs> okay. uh, can you is, imagine is, if, is Paul the... Casey, if Paul Casey wins this? At fifties, yeah. I mean, is the, the post-it note still sticking to the wall, Steve, or what's going yeah, on? Yeah, it's still there. It's still there. It's got Grio, Henley. It's got Luke List on there, Paul. <laughs> That's right. Patrick Rogers, another one of Patrick Rogers' usual uh, play um, efforts in Mexico. I thought last week when he right up there and then final round, and Patrick disappeared. Yeah, there's a few on there. Adam Scott's another one. Clearly, Luke List won. I do like List, you know, because List, again, you look at him, um, tough assignments like a Torrey Pines, like a PGA National, because he's got long game, he's a greens in regulation monster, and he can scramble. This does this does feel team no part, doesn't it, this week, this course, just looking at Stanley and Molinari. Yeah. Going back to the Masters when we were talking about Luke List, and we were talking about him in the context of being out of play in the wind as well. And, yeah. Um, Always yeah, high again, up in the predictor model yeah, on, yeah. on wind, yeah. Absolutely, he's, he's recorded some good wind rounds over the over the last mm. few years on the PGA Tour. So, yeah, if he gets into position by the weekend and that does turn a bit gnarly, then um, he could be the one that gravitates further to the top. What do you think of Tony Finau last week, Barry? Because I know you like to keep a close eye on T two, and clearly it was a it was one of the most backdoor of backdoor second places you'll ever get. But did that pique your interest for the PGA Championship in a couple of weeks' time? I mean, yeah, good stuff, Tony. It's good to see him back hitting it well and scoring well. Mm. I mean, you're the you're the Tony whisperer, Steve. Are you just looking for validation for what you've already decided? Have you, have you placed an anti-post on him? 22 to 1? I have. 28? I'm desperately looking at what his price is at the PGA Championship. And as we know, there'll be absolutely no value. He'll, he'll have been cut terribly um, since he, he he did what he did last week. I'm, I can't find. Where is he? I'm scanning. I can't find T2. I must have, I must have overshot. I need to go back up. 50 to 1 with Treble 8 Sport, if you want five places and a quarter of the odds. That might actually be the best anti-post price I've seen in about two years. 50 to 1 right now for the PGA Championship. Tony Finau. Would you take five places, Barry, on on Tony at a major when he's going to finish tied sixth or something like that? No, I'm not not that masochistic, Steve, so no. (laughs) um, That... This Southern Hills sounds like it's going to be a very interesting test. I'm doing a bit of background digging on it, and yeah. Have you read putting... my preview that Paul and I put out there last week? There's some really good course information out there about about um, Southern Hills, but it's going to play apparently a seven thousand five hundred yard par seventy. <laughs> yeah, the PGA Championship. So yeah, bombs big... away, chaps. Bombs away. Big... The brute of a test. Um, yep. Yeah, it's, if if the weather can cooperate and dry out that course, it sounds like approach game is going to be uh, truly fascinating to watch. 
um, missing spots by a couple of yards equals rolling off 30 yards. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't it, doesn't it give you a shinny cock and a Augusta National vibe? A little bit. Just that, what, exactly what you just said. Mm. Mm. Might have some course correlation there. So, um, we're yeah. getting ahead of ourselves. Andy Johnson but... was saying that. Andy Johnson's been saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, let's, let's see what T2 can do on this golf course this week. So, I think that's us, chaps. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your patience, listeners, with the uh, the late podcast. But uh, just it's good that you bared with us. We'll be back to normal for next week. Paul, what is your tournament next week? It's the Sudal Open next week in Belgium. Oh, that's classic, yeah. Yeah, so um, so expect Thomas Peters to be the short price favourite next week. Thomas Peters at five to one <laughs> next week incoming. I've got the AT and T Byron Nelson, which was won last year by K H Lee, who I believe when it came out was uses it as a practice facility. Mm. That's what we're dealing with next week and then of course after that we're going to have a PGA Championship research pod like we always do for the majors and then we will have the PGA Championship it's been a blast boys I will uh, I hope your bets go well yeah best of luck guys you too boys you too best of luck to listeners we will be back next week for podcast 209 enjoy your golf this week see you later if you like betting on golf but everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting